It's an interesting thing when, when, when God starts to move and you're going to speak, just conscious of the fact that you want to tread very carefully. And uh, I do believe that the thing that God's laid on my heart is something that's fitting for us. So let's, uh, let's just explore this a little bit. Life for Jenny and myself has been interesting over the last few months. Some of you will know some of that stuff. And actually, I want to talk to you this morning about a God who's incredibly faithful. (laughs) If he wasn't faithful, we'd be lost. If he wasn't faithful, we'd be wandering. But actually, he's faithful in the way that he's directing us and the journey that he's taking us on. So I want to speak about a journey this morning. I've been this week, um, well, kind of Wednesday, I developed the the man flu. (laughs) And uh, ah, it's okay for you girls. But we, but we get it properly. We do, we do, we do. There is something that, that men get that women don't understand. It's true, it's true, I probably it's true. Okay. So, where am I? Hmm. I've been, I've been looking at, uh, a little at the life of David. I, I find him such a fascinating character. And so I, I've been looking at his journey from the pasture to the palace. Yeah? And so we, we are those who are, who are in transition. Yeah? Whether, whether we're, we're, we're in life and if we're living, we're in transition. I want to say that God is, is always changing me. Always working in my heart. He's taking me from one degree of glory to another. That's his purpose. That's what he does. That's what he's always done. Always faithful, incredibly true and honest in the way that he deals with me. And so I've, I've got but only one scripture this morning from 1 Samuel uh, 16 verse 11. It says, And Samuel said to Jesse, Are all your children here? And he said, There is one that remains and he keeps the sheep. Very, very simple. That's the only scripture that you're going to get. There is one that remains. I want to tell you that, that actually God has always got one. He always has one, always has one in reserve, always has one ready to step in, in the time of need or at the right occasion. And so here we go. I want to say to you, what made David who he was, wasn't the palace, and it wasn't the fanfare. It wasn't any of those things, it wasn't the cheering crowds that cheered I heard, I hear many things, you see, when I consider and I wait. And I heard this. Saul has killed his thousands, but David his tens of thousands. That didn't make him who he was. But what made him who he was was the isolation of the pasture. His quiet place. The isolated place on a hillside with the sheep. That's who determined who he was and the man that he became and the person that God formed him into and shaped him into. I want to say this, that long, long before David ever played for Saul, he played for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Long before he ever, ever played in a palace, he played on a hillside. Before he ever defeated Goliath, He slayed many trees and many rocks. Come on. You need to understand, we we are people in process. 
I, I am not now what I will be next year. I am not now what I will be by Christmas. But I'm not who I used to be. I'm not that person who, as a 16-year-old lad, was lost and wandering. I've been found, but I'm in process. And so are we. We're a people in process on a journey. We've been in the pasture too long, brothers and sisters. It's time for the palace. It's time for us to be in the presence of God. I want to say this, that David was the youngest son. There are two distinctions that, that a child who, who, who often has this. All right? The youngest child is spoiled and uninformed. Why do I say he was uninformed? Well, because he wasn't, he wasn't in the house of his father. He was on the hillside. He knew nothing of the, of the family home. He was isolated by himself. His work as a shepherd by nature meant that he was uninformed. Ever felt uninformed? I have. In David's day, very little would have been expected of him. Not much would have been required of him. His job was to tend the sheep. He was never a leader. He was the youngest. He had no older brothers and sisters. He had older brothers and sisters who showed him the way. The, he had no one to teach the way to. He simply was, a, was the youngest of the youngest. No one younger than him to lean upon him. The seven older sons of Jesse stayed at home. But he spent his time in the pasture. I want to say that when he left home, he carried two things with him. One was a sling and the other one was a harp. I want to say that spare time for a shepherd is abundant. I sat, I sat and I listened and I, I considered him. And I saw him sitting on the side with the sheep. Lonely, isolated, alone, separated. You know, I felt like that at times. On my, my journey with God, that he's taken me to a place where he's, he's just separated me for a season, for a time, and said, look, stop here, be with me. I wonder when he picked his harp up and he began to play whether, whether his worship was mingled with tears. I wonder. But it's what I felt. I want to say perhaps he felt friendless. And as the sense of isolation grew in him, so he, he picked his harp up often and played it and strummed it. As he became more skillful with the harp, he added, added words to his playing. And then when he became tired of the harp, he picked up the sling and practiced and swung it and aimed at trees and aimed at rocks and aimed at different things that he could find. And when he'd thrown every stone he got, he collected them all again and chose another target that was yet further away. I want to say that he, his first triumphs were over leafy enemies as he defeated trees. And I want to say this, that as the the night came and the embers of the fire began to, to go out and he sat and he sang and worshipped God what an incredible place to be as he sang the songs of his forefathers I've got this image in my mind while he sang he wept and while he wept he praised yeah. I've done that many times done that recently I've sat in the presence of God and I've sang and mingled with my praise to his tears I want to say that his, as his song rose 
and it lifted to the mountains. I want to tell you that the mountains lifted the song to God. What an amazing thing that that should be. Uh, praise the sense of the mountains and then to God. Wow. So what was his days? <laughs> Playing, singing and slinging. It's okay. That's what his days consisted of. Playing his harp, slinging stones and singing to God. And one day while he's singing to God's angels. What an audience, actually. Nobody there to hear him. The angels and God. And one day while he's singing to angels, God, and passing clouds, suddenly a lion comes. One is, you know, very visual for me, actually. I, I see the lion rise up and begins to run towards the lamb. I got this picture brown, furry legs twirling yeah and so the lion is running towards the lamb and he is up in an instant and running towards the lion wow and the two meet and they gaze upon each other and suddenly he picks up a pebble and he's twirling the pebble and it finds its target suddenly he realises that he's not afraid anymore and suddenly in that moment the, the youth becomes a man wow you know I see I, I say this often I see more than I understand I saw him stoop and gently pick up a lamb he said to the, he said to the lamb I'm your shepherd and God is mine wow I'm your shepherd and God is mine Long into the evening, he began to consider the day's events and wove a song into the, the, the events of the day. And he played it again and again, and he sang it again and again, until every angel that had ears understood the melody and the words. So, David worshipped. Been said that what is done in darkness will come out in the light, but you know that's not all negative. That isn't all negative. It's only negative if if all that we do in the darkness is sin. Yeah, we tend to to look at that passage and we think, well, everything that we've ever ever done wrong is going to be disclosed. But actually, the things we do in darkness are a choice that we make. We make a choice. Psalm 192 verse 62 says, "At midnight." I will rise and give thanks to you because of your righteous judgments. Wow. I've been awake some nights. Been praying some nights. Been after God some nights. Paul and Silas in the prison at midnight. They prayed and gave thanks to God. And all the prisoners heard. I want to say to some today here that midnight is what you make it. It is. It is. Midnight is what you make it. Just God and you. And it's your choice. It doesn't have to be a desolate place. It can be. It doesn't have to be. I want to say that his isolation wasn't a time of punishment, but it was a time of preparation. Yeah. It was a time of preparation. More importantly that, than that, please understand this. 
that God is more interested in preparation than punishment. Yes. More interested in, in preparing us and working in us than punishing us. My father's been so gracious to me. Every day he's been gracious to me. Does he chastise me? Yeah, from time to time. But he doesn't do it every day. Doesn't do it every moment. Doesn't do it every second. He's more interested in preparing me for the things that had come. And it's time for us to leave the pasture and to come to the throne room. Time for us to leave the pasture now and to come to our inheritance. Time to to be in the place where we receive all that God has for us. I want to say this to you, that uh, (laughs) what we see as an end, God sees as a beginning. So again, I want to use the word worship. Peter thought it was over, denied and disconnected. But Jesus said, it's in that lonely time that I prepared for you a Pentecost. In the midnight of his life, when he was separated and isolated, when Jesus was working out some pride and some arrogance and some selfishness in him, it was also a time of preparation for his life. God working and preparing us? Absolutely. Has he been? Yes, he has. Will he continue to do so? Yes, he will. I want to say, if it had not been for the time in the wilderness, I could never have handled the promised land. True. If I'd not spent time in the wilderness of life, if I'd not spent time in isolation, if I'd not spent time distant and separated in some way from God, I'd never have handled the promised land. It's true. Thank God for the wilderness. Thank God for the journey that we've been on. Thank God for, for, you know, I thank God for all the times when I've prayed, when I've not felt his presence. Doesn't mean to say he didn't hear. He heard. But I thank God for the journey. Thank God for the process. Thank God for the, for the, for the way that we've walked. Thank God that we've done it together. But it's time to leave the pasture and to come down from the hillside and to come to the throne room in the palace. I want to say that your destiny is greater than your dilemma. I'm so glad that my destiny is greater than my dilemma because I know who I am. I understand that God has a purpose for me. I understand that that the dilemmas that I face in life are there to hinder me from my destiny, but I will push through. I'm going to pursue and inherit the promise of God. I'm not going away. Excuse my slang, please. But if you ain't got no dilemma, then you ain't got no destiny. Yeah? If you ain't got no dilemma, then you ain't got no destiny. I want to say when God sets us apart and separates us for a season, recognize his work. He is perfecting the tools that we need for our destination. I've been perfecting some tools in me that I'm going to need for my destination. That's what he's doing. Huh. I, I, I did a little list, yeah? This is one for ladies. First, first one for ladies, yeah? Instead of pouting, pray. Instead of fleeing, fast. 
Instead of worrying, then worship. Instead of wringing your hands, read the scriptures. Bad things are not only things happening in the dark, lonely hours. God has been patient. I'm going to keep saying it. He's been patient for year upon year upon year. Moment by moment by moment, he's been shaping and forming us into the church that he wants for this time, for this moment. For the days and weeks and months ahead, he's doing that. He's been doing it patiently. I want to say that he's been forming Christ in me. How about you? He's been forming the image of Christ in you. Been doing that, and he's been using me at the same time. How amazing! I want to say to you that the best is. Come on, come on. Yeah, the best is. I want to say his work is not happening where everyone can see it. Thank God for that. His work in me is not happening in places where you can see. It's not on display. It's not centre stage. I want to say you don't know how long I pray. You don't know the desires and the long. Some of you do, but you don't know the desires and the longings of my heart. You don't know how hungry and desperate I am for God. You don't understand that. It's not centre stage. It's not on public display. But I tell you that it's there. God is going to do something new. In the hidden parts of my heart, he's working faithfully and has been and will do. I'm being transformed from one degree of glory to another. Being shaped more fully into the image of Christ. That's who I am. Who are you? Who are you? I'm being transformed. Use this word again, worship. When Saul called David to play the harp to soothe his spirit, it wasn't the first time he'd picked up the instrument. Long before he played for the king, he was playing for the king of kings. Before Israel raised his name in triumph, he perfected his ministry in isolation. Come on, come on. That's where, we, that's where some of us are. It's because we've been there that we can do the things that God is now calling us to do. Before they sang his praises in the street, he sang God's praises in the meadows. I've never understood this, but it's, uh, it just sort of dawned on me. Why did David reject Saul's armour? It had not been proved in the trying times of isolation. David understood that God was going to meet his needs and make a way for him. If he didn't need it in the hours and days he spent alone with God, it was going to be a wait. Brothers and sisters, let's set aside every sin and every weight that holds us back from pursuing the presence of God. Ah, I've got five minutes. When, when David picked up his sling to face Goliath, it wasn't the first time that he tried to use it. Years before he defeated trees, that's what he did, yeah? Don't get hung up in the philosophy that God guided the stone. 
I want to propose to you. See, I sound like a lawyer now, don't I? I want to make a proposition. I propose this to you. That God, he may have guided the stone, but I don't care. But he guided a shepherd boy. Don't look at the stone. Move back from there. God, if God guided the stone, well, amen, good, good for that. But God guided a shepherd boy. God graduated David from trees to targets, to a bear, to a lion, and then a giant. Come on. Come on. God, God has been preparing me for this time. For these days. He's been working in my heart so that I can go from trees to bears to lions to Goliath. And he will go. He will fall because there is a courage in my heart that God has been working in faithfulness for many years. My day will come. If it's not tomorrow, it will come. Your day and your moment will come because God is going to do something awesome. I'm waiting for that day and I'm in preparation for the day to come. But I'm leaving the pasture now. I'm coming to the palace. I want to say to you that God was guiding long before the stone left the sling. God guided David in times of preparation so that he could stand in times of admiration. True. Yeah. Yeah. And those of us who are going to do some amazing things to see some miracles occur and salvation come, people may point at us, but come on, we, we need to have been the hand of God worked in us so that we, we deflect the glory and the praise to Him. If we get admiration before preparation, Write, write this down. It'll lead to devastation. Yeah. I'm going to say it again. If we get admiration before preparation, it'll lead to devastation. I want to say the best is yet to come. A great destiny awaits us. Let's be working on the things that we should be. If David had never picked up the harp in isolation, he would never ever have played to Saul. If he'd not picked up the sling, if he'd never sang and praised God, he would never have been anointed king. God didn't get to know David in the palace. He got to know him in the pasture. And I finished with this at 5 to 12. Where are you today? Where are you today? In process, on a journey, letting God work, letting him transform you from one degree of glory to another. Brothers and sisters, we live in days that are exciting. We live in days where we're at the door of the palace, ready to enter. Amen.